to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. First Corinthians chapter 7. Paul is talking. Right now he's dealing with marriage and, and singleness. And, uh, but it's not just on marriage and singleness. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is dealing with the church being in a place of danger, uh, overconfidence. It's in an infant stage in a very debaucherous place. We likened Corinth unto Las Vegas. We can call it Las Corinth. Basically anything that could go went in Las Corinth. The new believers that were there that came to know the Lord through Paul's ministry in the 18 months that he was there they had questions. They had questions on how to live their life because they had been brought up in a society, in a culture that basically anything goes and everything goes. If it feels good, do it. And so they did and they indulged. But it was a very loose living life that they had there. And so there was really no rules. And here they are all of a sudden. They're brought up in this culture. And then Paul presents the gospel you understand the gospel literally means good news. And as the good news was spread into uh, Corinth by Paul, the good news is that he first displayed the bad news. The bad news is that we're all sinners and we are all destined for hell. We're, we're all an offense to God. We do not have righteousness in and of ourselves to get to heaven. And so if you don't have somebody going before you, if you don't have somebody taking your place, if you don't have somebody um, giving you a, a, a pass into heaven, you are lost. If you, have, if you don't have any, re, you have no recourse to get to heaven in and of your own merit. It's impossible to get to heaven. And so even as we just got done with communion and we shared about how Jesus, he came. He became the door. He became that narrow door. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And no one would come to the Father except through Him. He was the ticket. The idea is, is that if, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, a Super Bowl. When's the Super Bowl going to be played? I think, isn't there one more Super Bowl going to be played in Tampa here sometime recent, you know, in the next four years or something like that? I don't know. My son's saying four years or something. I don't know. But it, uh, maybe. If that's it. You know, you, if you have a ticket to go to the Super Bowl, guess what? You get to go to the Super Bowl. But if you have a ticket to go to, you know, uh, uh, a, you know the, the latest dog show that's down here at Robarts Arena, and, and you take that dog show ticket to the Super Bowl, you take it up to Raymond James Stadium, and you go up to the ticket counter and say, I have a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to get into the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you got the wrong ticket. Well, no, I mean, it's a ticket. Don't all tickets go to the Super Bowl? Don't all roads lead to heaven? I, I live the life of, of loving, you know, football or uh, loving dogs. And so, therefore, I have a dog ticket, so I want to go to the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, you don't have a Super Bowl ticket. If you don't have a Super Bowl ticket, you're not going to get into Super Bowl. Any ticket that doesn't get into the Super Bowl is you're, you're exempt. You can't. You're, you you you're excluded from this game. You're excluded from this stadium. The only ticket to get into the Super Bowl is what a Super Bowl ticket. Jesus became that Super Bowl ticket, if you will. He became the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get into heaven would be through the ticket of Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for us. And so Paul, as he spoke the bad news, as he shared with the, or shared with the, the city and the people that he would meet on the street, he would share with them the bad news before he shared with them the good news. For what is good news unless you understand the bad? There's a lot of churches that don't like to talk about the bad. We don't like to talk about that negative stuff because people don't like the negative stuff. 
You don't want to grow a church on talking negative. That's okay. Well, it's not okay. It's okay to them. The point is, Paul would go in and he'd present the bad news. He'd show them their sin. And he'd bring them to a place where they understood, I am at a desperate state. I don't know what I'm going to do. Is there any hope for me? Paul goes, oh, now. Now that you understand the penalty that is upon your shoulders, now that you understand your true destiny, your destiny is separation from God. Your destiny is your sin has separated you from a holy God. You will stand before God and you will answer for every single sin that you committed in your life. But it was just one of them that would keep you out of heaven. But your sin has separated you from God. You're destined for an eternity separated from God in hell. It's, it's, there's no hope. There is no hope. No. Why did you tell me that? Well, because there actually is a way. Really? What? Well, enter God. God comes and becomes a man. And he begins to present the gospel. It's through Jesus Christ. You mean I don't have to go to hell? No, you don't have to. You mean somebody actually paid my penalty for Yes, yes, somebody paid your penalty for you. It was Christ. How do I attain this ticket? How do I attain this 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 granting of myself to get into heaven. Well, you have to surrender your life to Christ, to God in human flesh. He, he's the one who paid your, your, your price for you. You've got to go to Him. You've got to go through Him. And so the good news, the gospel, it began to spread and people began to get saved in this lost Corinth. And and as they were getting saved, they began to go, well, wait a minute, now it's much like you and I. How many of you, when you got saved, you knew all the answers? Just raise your hand. We want to come and talk to you. Erlis is the one we want to go and talk to. He raised his hand. <laughs> Don't go to him, okay? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Here's the thing. Um, none of us can sit here and say, hey, when we got saved, I knew all the answers. We didn't know the answers. We, we asked questions, didn't we? In fact, sometimes we would, we would become very good at asking questions. Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I do that? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? We've all asked those questions, haven't we? It's common. I mean, it's, it's just obvious. It's just something that's natural. It's what's going to happen. What does the Bible say? What does God say about this? Well, these are the questions that they had in Lost Corinth in that they were going, hey, Paul, what about marriage? You're talking about marriage. I mean, man, you're talking about the permanency of marriage. Even the disciples would get caught up in going, man, maybe it's through what Jesus was saying. Man, maybe, maybe, maybe it's better for a man to not even get married at all. Lord said, no, no, it's not that. Don't jump to the wrong conclusions. They're asking Paul these questions. Should I be single for the rest of my life? Should I be married? Should I be circumcised? Should I be a slave? Should I not be a slave? What should I do, Paul? How is it that I should live? What is it that God is asking? How should I please God with my life? I grew up in this city and I don't understand what being a Christian is all about. I'm reading the Bible maybe. or he doesn't, They don't necessarily have the Bible because it wasn't written yet. The Old Testament had been. But these letters were still being, you know, 1 Corinthians was being played out in their life at that moment. And so they didn't have the Bible to go by. They actually, what they're doing is Paul's writing this one letter. So they're reading 1 Corinthians they're reading this letter and they're understanding what Paul is saying. He's answering their questions. Make no mistake about it though. What Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians is he's going, I understand your questions that you have about singleness and being married. 
even about circumcision and, and slavery, all these different things. I understand those questions that you're asking. But there's one kind of theme that he, he well, there's actually a couple of different themes if you have. There's really one theme in here, but there is, there is kind of two points that he's kind of making here. They both kind of filter into each other. Number one, time is short. This world's passing away. Don't get caught up in the world. This day and age that you're living in, that you have this confidence that everything seems to be going great in your life. If you didn't hear my message last week, you can listen to it online. You can maybe pick it up here later on today if you want. But... um, one of the things that Paul was saying to them is saying, you guys are kind of confident in your walk. You think that everything is going great. You think that you're doing well. You're full. You're rich. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, doesn't he? You, you think that you're reigning as a king. You think you're wise and we're unwise. You think that you're you know, more well taken care of and we're not. You, know? you think that you have everything. But here's the thing. They think that they have an approval from Rome... This is kind of a quick little sidelight into last week. The, the people in Corinth, they, the believers in Corinth thought that they were getting a free pass from Rome. That Rome was going to be okay with them serving the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that Paul understood in all of his travels that no matter where he went, Rome, Jerusalem, or anywhere else in between, above or below, that wherever Christ came in, When you chose Christ, you chose to reject Rome. It was no longer about Rome, it was about Christ. It was about the Lord. And in Corinth, it's not going to be any different. Well, here's a brand new church, here's brand new believers, and they're going, well, hey man, Rome is good with us. Rome is okay with us. And Paul's going, no, when Rome finds out that you guys are getting saved, it's going to be a very distressful time here. In light of this present distress he, he, he shared last week in Romans or in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This time is short. The world's passing away. Guys, this is now the time that you need to step up. Let's not get caught up. And this is that, that second part of that theme. He's going, time is short. Understand that you're living in dangerous times. I'm warning you. Not warning you as, oh, I warn you. No, no, no. He's warning as a father to a child. Ah, oh, son, I'm warning you. I'm warning you, children, I'm warning you that if you go down this road, if you do this, if you, if you allow yourself to enter into that, it's going to not go well with you. I cannot force you to do anything. But I can, I can warn you. I can warn you what's going, what's over the other side of that hill over there. And it's not good. It's dangerous. It's something that might cost many of you your lives. And so I warn you as a father, I don't write these things, he said in in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, I don't write these things to shame you, but as your father, I I write to you to, to warn you. And so they're confident. They don't understand the magnitude of a fall, of, of a decision to follow after Christ, to become a Christian in a debaucherous place. They don't understand the magnitude of what that meant. They thought it was all wonderful. Everything was going to always be okay. And Paul knew that it wasn't. And so now they're asking questions about relationships and so on and so forth. And Paul's going, let me just tell you this. Time is short. And the axe is coming quick. If there's one underlying theme of all of of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's don't seek to to leave where you are right now. Bloom where you're planted. Do what it is that... Be in the present state that you are and grow there. That has some application to us today. You might be here and Paul would be talking to you just like he is talking to them in Las Corinth. He's saying, hey, you might be married and you don't want to be married. And you're going, man, I, you know, I just, it's tough. I don't want to be married anymore. Or you might be here and you're single and you're going, man, I don't want to be single anymore. I want to be married. And, and Paul would be saying to you, hey, you know what? Stay where you are 
and rest. Let God take care of the rest. Let God take care of you. So are you saying that I shouldn't get married or that, I, uh, that it's a sin to get married? No, no, no. Paul was, will say in here, no, if you get married, that's fine. So you're saying that if, if I don't get married, it's fine. Or that, that it's better if I don't, you know, that I shouldn't get married. No, I'm saying it doesn't matter if you get married or you don't. But that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus should be following the Lord. Your focus should be on the Lord. Because right now you need all the strength you can get. Because there is a battle coming. There is a, tr- a very, very tumultuous time coming in your life. He, he, he goes on. Let me read it from verse 17. As God has distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. What he's saying there is... Whatever you're in, what God has distributed to you, whatever state you're in right now, just stay there. Just stay there. Just be that. Now, some might misinterpret what Paul's saying here and say, well, I'm a gangster. So he's saying I can go and, you know, knock some people off still. Maybe, I'm, maybe, I, maybe, maybe you're a drug dealer and, and, and you go, well, hey, drugs for Jesus. I, I didn't know that there was a ministry like that, you know? And so, hey, Paul's saying, hey, whatever God has distributed to each one as the Lord called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Paul's actually saying, I'm ordaining this. I'm telling you, I'm ordaining it. I'm placing my blessing upon that in your church. Listen, if you're in a sinful lifestyle, you need to get out of it. Right? Let's just take the word of God with common sense. Let's try not to make it sound or say something that it's not supposed to say. He says, was anybody called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anybody called while circumcised? Let him not be circumcised. What's he saying? He's saying circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is is nothing, but keeping the commandments of of God is what matters. He says, if you're circumcised, don't think that you're going to become more holy if you're uncircumcised. If you are uncircumcised, don't think that you're going to become more holy if you are circumcised. It's not about that. It's not about those things. Stay where you are right now. Do what it is that God's called you to do. Well, but I'm uncircumcised. Okay. Well, won't God like reject me? Absolutely not. Well, if God created an ordained marriage and I'm single, am I am I like sinning because I'm not married? Well, I'm going to say no. Let's just take the biggest and best example. Jesus wasn't married either. Feel pretty good if you're a single person. You're in pretty good company with Jesus, amen? Don't, 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 don't try to push something before it's time. You just serve the Lord. You trust the Lord. And so Paul's going, just stay where you are and let God do the work in your life. He's going, are you circumcision or uncircumcision is nothing. That's not the point. The point is not that. He goes on and he tries to illustrate it again. He illustrates it in a different way. Let each one remain, he says in verse uh, 20, he says, let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. What's he saying? Stay put. Remain where you are. Remain in the state that you are and in the characterization that you are in the, in the position of life that you were in if it's not sin. Stay there and serve and, and plant where you are and grow where you are. Where you're planted, grow and mature and be used to the Lord where you are. Why would God ever ask Paul to write that to you and I? Because here's the thing. So many times when we become Christians, we think... Wow, now that I'm a Christian, if I can just get away from all these heathens that are in my office and I can go and work for a church, oh, it would be wonderful. I want to be in a ministry. And, and you go, I just need to get away from these heathens in the office. These people are just horrible. I just want to be around. I want, I want to hear harps playing and choirs going, when I walk in the door in the morning and clock in, oh, I can't wait. I just want to be in a church so bad. Let me tell you this. I've been in a lot of churches, worked with quite a few churches, and been on staff at churches. I've never heard a choir or harps. And I will tell you, there are heathens in churches. You're not going to get away from it. You're going to deal with flesh, man. You're going to deal with the world, even in churches. 
in Bible college. It doesn't matter. But here's the thing. Why would God ask through Paul for you to stay and bloom where you're planted? But I'm in an office and I'm the only Christian there. And there's 17 other people in the office and all 17 of them, they don't, they don't agree with me. They're all like atheists or they're agnostics or they're just hateful towards Christians. If I could just get out of here, man, then I could really serve the Lord. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. I was talking, Kevin and I went out to breakfast the other day and, and uh, you'd think that Kevin and I get together all the time. We don't. <laughs> we wish we could, but we just don't get together as often as we wish that we could. You know, you'd think that the pastors are getting together all the time. We don't. We talk a lot via phones, maybe on the phone, via text or something like that, but actually getting together and getting some eyeball time, it was a welcomed and wonderful time for Kevin and I to get some time together. But we were just talking and we were just sharing about some things that were going on. And, and we were kind of, as we were looking at it, we were looking at, you know, in counseling, as we're talking to ourselves, this is by no means, do we get together to have a, you know, uh, a complaint fest on you? No, a lot of it is just directed towards he and I things that we're missing at, messing up on, things that we need to grow on, things that we need to be more attentive to and people we need to reach out to more often. And so don't think that when we get together, we talk about you. Um, we talk about us, sorry, and how we fail so miserably. Now, do we ever talk about things that are going on in people's lives? Yeah, sometimes we do. And and we were, we, we kind of... We're talking the other day, and it was like, as we were sharing and we were talking, you're just going, you know, so much of our counseling can be eradicated if the people who come for counseling were just to actually say the things out loud that they're struggling with and then counsel themselves. Because sometimes we get so close to the situation. And I'm going to take something that is a for instance, um, uh, you know, that is, has nothing to do with anybody in here and, and nothing to do with anything that we talked about. I'm coming up with a different illustration off the top of my head, so don't think I'm talking about anybody in here. All right? Hey, you got to be careful when you start talking like this as a pastor. Maybe somebody comes to Kevin or somebody comes to me and they're sitting down and going, you know, hey, I just am struggling because, you know, I, I really, there's this girl that I, I, I really, really, really am interested in. I, I mean, she is gorgeous. She's nice. We get along so well. And I just, I really want to know if I should take our relationship a little bit further. And, you know, I mean, I could see myself married to her down the road and her having my kids. And, man, I could just see a life with her. Okay, well, you know, what's going on with her? What's, what, why wouldn't you? Why, I'm, I'm here to talk to you because here's some things. She doesn't believe in God. And, and so I, I, I don't know really how I'm, I'm, I should go about this. And, and I don't know how to, how to interject my, you know, my faith in there. And I don't know how to really, you know, include her in, you know, in my spiritual life. And, 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 and so here's the thing. We then are, are sitting there and go, and we would sit there in a situation like that and go, okay, maybe this person is a Christian for 10 years, but they so desperately want to get married. And you go, you, you just want to say, just say what you said to me out loud as if someone else were in here and asking you the same question. Hey, I am a believer, and let's simplify it. I'm a believer, and I have a, a passionate walk with Jesus. There's a beautiful girl over here that doesn't have a walk with Jesus whatsoever, doesn't believe in him, doesn't want anything to do with him whatsoever. But I think I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Does God think that that's a good idea? Now, counsel yourself. Just ask the question out loud. Sometimes all we have to do is just ask the question out loud for us to go, oh, wow, yeah, that kind of sounded kind of silly. Maybe I shouldn't be involved in that girl. I don't care how beautiful she is. Mind you, there's a lot of men 
and women that have married a beautiful guy or a beautiful gal that it has become a, a, a horrendous relationship down the road. Beauty only goes so far. It's the character, it's the relationship, it's what's underneath the outward skin. Because if you have two different people that are unequally yoked and they are trying to, to, to fit together because of looks, you're going to find out very quickly, very soon in that marriage, what the word divorce means. Because here's the thing, you're not equally yoked. You don't have the same heart. You don't have the same desires. And, and so why would you go down that road? Again, any counseling that we do, oftentimes if you just take a step back and ask the obvious, simplify your issue, say it out loud to yourself, and then ask, would God approve of this? You can answer your own question. Is one of the counselings that I gave to Tim Romero and his wife, Sonia, when they moved up to Columbia, Tennessee and started the Calvary Chapel up there. They, they, they called us very, 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 very early on when they started. And Sonia and Tim, we were on the phone with them and Lynette and I were on the phone with them. They're going, hey, I got this issue in the church and, 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 and what would you do? I mean, I, here's, some things that, here's some things that we're kind of dealing with in our marriage and, and here's some things that we're dealing with, the direction that we're thinking that we should go with the church and so on and so on. We're kind of you know, having some problems of, of how we would go about this or how we would go. And they weren't having problems in their marriage whatsoever. It was just in the direction maybe of the way that they were going. And they were going, how do you, how do you reconcile it? And my answer was, Tim, Sonia, here's the thing. Pretend that somebody just came into your fellowship and a couple has sat down in front of you and they have just presented to you what you have presented to us. What would you answer? And their answer was, oh, that's simple. They knew the answer. They knew the answer. And it was something that they, they were able to, to latch onto. And it's, it's, it's like when you disassociate yourself, when you remove the personal thing from it, and now all of a sudden you open it up. Here's what Paul's doing. He's doing that with these guys. He's saying, here's the thing. Remain in this same calling that you're called. But, 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 but what if I'm a slave? He goes, well, here's the thing. Verse 21, were you called while a slave? Don't be concerned about it, okay? But if you can be made free, rather use it. Go ahead. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slaves. Is, is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain. Do you see what he's saying? Brethren, let each one remain with God in that calling in which he was called. And so here's the thing. Paul is, Paul is, is counseling them to, be in, to stay where they are. Why to stay where you are? Because it goes back to what I was just saying. If you want to get out of that office with 17 heathens, who's going to be the pastor of that office? Who's going to be the light in that dark place? You're removing the light. Oh, but it's too tough for me. I want to go in a church where everything's easy. <laughs> it's not easy in the church, man. Let me tell you. It's not easy. I got saved and my wife isn't, or I got saved and my husband isn't. And so therefore, I, I just, what's the out for me? What's the out that I have? I have death and divorce. Or death and 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 and. and Immorality, sexual immorality. As I shared last week, someone might go and say, "Well, hey, I, uh, I'm a Christian. I blew it, man. I, I committed adultery on my wife. I guess I'm going to get married. I'm going to get divorced from her. Why? Does she want one? No, but I do. You committed sin on your wife. You're a believer." You're going to ask for a divorce because you think that the Bible has given you the freedom to be divorced? Well, yeah, because it says sexual immorality. So you committed the sexual immorality so you can find the loophole and God's going to be good, good with it. Again, talk out loud and ask this question to yourself. Do you think God's good with this? I don't think so. Just say it out. Let's simplify it. 
Hey, God, I'm tired of my wife, and so I'm going to go find whoever it is that is an opposite sex to me, and I'm going to, even today, the same sex as me, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to sleep with the person. And so here's the thing. That gives me the opportunity and the freedom. You've given me the, you've granted me the option to go and go ahead and get a divorce from them, and then I'm free, and I'm not sinning. Does that sound good? It doesn't sound good. So, so Paul says, be where you are. Maybe you're, maybe you're married. You've, you've become a Christian and, and your spouse isn't. I went out of this marriage. Who's going to be the spiritual influence to that person who isn't saved? To that spouse. Paul's saying, stay where you are. If they're willing to have you, you stay there. You be there. You minister to them. You do what God's called you to do. Remain where God has called you. Concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one from the Lord in His mercy, who he's made, who's, whom the Lord in His mercy has made trustworthy. He's going, I, I'm going to give you judgment of what it is that I believe that God has given me. You know, Some might look at verse 25 and go, Ah, Paul, he, he, what he's going to say here is wrong because he's saying, Hey, this is my opinion, not the Lord's. Can we all just agree and say, you know what, I think Paul's a little bit smarter than that. I think Paul's words are, Paul's just going, hey, you might not find this in the word, but this is the heart of the Lord, okay? This is the heart of the Lord. But these are, this is what I believe God would want from us. What's wrong with that? Nothing. That's what Paul's saying. Concerning virgins, I have no commandment. And a virgin isn't a, a woman who, you know, a, a young woman who has never, you know, you know, had any relations. It's, it's anyone. Anyone. Concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. Anyone who has, has not been married, anybody who has not entered into a relationship with another, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one from the Lord and his, as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it's good because of the present distress, that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Once again, again, he reiterates the point, remain as you are, right? It's good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Now, I think Paul could have probably worded this a little bit better. It's obvious that he's not married right now because uh, I think are you bound to a wife? Maybe he could have maybe said it a little bit better. Are you leashed? Are you chained to a wife? I don't think he's saying that. I think that's what he's meaning here. He's chained to a wife. Uh, no. You hear some people go, ah, got to get home to the ball and chain. Really? You've got some serious marriage issues, man. You know, Paul Overstreet, he's a, a Christian country music artist you know I, I like his music you know. he has a song love don't feel like a ball and chain to me you know my wife isn't a ball and chain to me she's my she's my my life partner man she's my best friend she's the one that is there to love me in spite of me i mean the woman is a saint you bound to a wife now are you attached to a wife are you are you married to a wife? Are you joined together? Are you covenanted together to a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do you, are, you, are you not attached? Do you not have a wife right now? Do you not have a husband right now? Paul's saying, well, then don't, don't seek a spouse. He's saying, remain where you are. Remain what you're doing. Let God bring in what or take out whatever it is that God wants to do. But stay where you are and be used and bloom where you're planted. He says, but here's the thing. Don't hear me say, you're not supposed to marry. He says, but even if you do marry, you haven't sinned. If a virgin marries, she's not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I'd spare you. He's going, if you marry, you're not sinning. If you don't get married, you're not sinning. Just stay where you are. Bloom where you're planted. I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they didn't weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't possess. 
And those who use this world is not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. And then he says, verse 32, I want you to be, but I want you to be without care. I don't want you to be so caring about the things that are in this world, the things that are the op- opportunities that are here in this world that you can be married, you can not be married. You can be circumcised, not be circumcised. You can maybe be free or you might not be able to be made free as a slave. You know, it, slavery was a, a thing back in that day. And so here's the thing. He's going, don't be so caught up in these things. Just remain where you are and let God use you in your present state. But I'm not married. Okay, then be used to the Lord. If you're single and you're not, you know, you're, you're walking with the Lord, he says, listen, it's a good thing if you're single. He said, hey, I, I wish you could remain just as I am. Let's look at what he says here. I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who's married, he makes a distinction. He says, if you're married, you care about the things of this world, how he may please his wife. There's a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of this world, how she may please her husband. And I say this for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper that you may serve the Lord without distraction. Before I move into verse 36, what he's saying here is he's saying, here's the thing. If you're single, you don't have a care. You don't really have the same cares that a married person has. You know, you might be able to, you know, uh, as he's saying, hey, there's a present distress coming along. There might be major tribulation. There may be major uh, trial. There might be, you know, people that are being killed. If you're single, man, you can just run and jet out of Dodge, man, real quick. If you're married, you've got to be concerned about your wife. You've got to be concerned about your kids. And think about it. If you're single and they say, renounce Christ or I'm going to behead you. I'm going to shoot you. I will not renounce Christ. Okay. There goes your head. There goes your, you know, a hole in your head. Paul says it's easier for you to do that if you're single. Now, how is it that it's harder when you're married? Because they may say the same exact thing to you. Renounce Christ or we're going to lop your head off or we're going to put a bullet in your head. I will not and I shall not recant Christ. Well, you didn't let me finish. If you don't do it, we're going to put a bullet in your wife's head right in front of you, in your child's head. Now it becomes a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? Paul's going, hey, it ain't so bad to be single. Not in times of major distress, spiritual distress that comes down upon upon you. Stay where you are right now. Don't seek to be something that you're not supposed to be at this moment. A wife cares about her husband. A virgin doesn't have a husband to, you know, to, 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 to care about. And so the idea is here is that, listen, when I was single... I'd sometimes come home at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning because I was out with some of my single buddies hanging out when I was a Christian. (laughs) You know? We'd go out and we'd go to a Denny's and we'd sit there and rap and talk and we talked about the Lord. We'd get into things in the Word and we'd just just spend time. Do you know what happened if I came home at 4 o'clock in the morning right now because I did that? It wouldn't be a a pleasant thing if I'm walking in the door at 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, my phone was dead. My wife's been trying to call me. If my phone dies when I'm single, I don't care. If my phone dies when I'm married and I'm not where I'm supposed to be, I'm like, hey, can I borrow your phone? I need to get a hold of my wife so she doesn't worry. She, I have to, I have, it's not that I have a leash on me, it's that I care for her. I, ca- I have to care for her feelings, right? Now, we don't necessarily know that immediately when we get married. But we learn it real quick, don't we? But here's the thing. If you're single, that's what he's saying. If you're a virgin, you don't have a husband, you're free to do so much more for the Lord. If you're married, it doesn't mean you can't still 
minister for the Lord. It just means that you have to, when you minister for the Lord, you also have to take into consideration your family. One of the things that, that we did over in Fort Lauderdale when we were on staff over there is that we used to, we used to have a, 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 you know, a, a, basically a, a kind of an unspoken rule. Actually, it was a spoken rule. If you're single, you can be here at the church four nights a week. If you're married, you can only be here three. You can only be at the church three days a week. Can you imagine? We had to actually limit people to come to church. <laughs> Haven't you been here like every day of this week? Yeah. Where's your wife? They're at home. Get home. Go home, man. You need to minister to your wife. You need to minister to your family. The idea was we wanted the church, if you're married, we wanted the family to be important to you, to take more of a, of a, uh, uh, you know, your time and, and, and your efforts in the four day, in the, in the four days, you can spend four days with them. If you're single, yeah, come on in. We didn't. If a single person was there five or six nights, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was set there for the married couples, for the married people. You need to be at home tending to your family. That's what Paul's getting to here. That's the whole idea behind that. I say this for your own profit, he said there in verse 35. Not that I can put a leash on. I'm, trying not to, I'm not trying to put a leash on you. I'm just stating the facts for you. For what's proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he's behaving improperly toward a virgin, toward his unmarried daughter, if she is past the flower of her youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He doesn't sin. Let her get married. Let her get married. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage does better. Well, it might be better for him. Maybe not necessarily for her. Paul's not making a cut and dry statement here that says that a man can't... You've got to remember, back in this time, these were arranged marriages. Many, oftentimes, in this society, in this culture, there were arranged marriages. Paul's going, hey, in the arranged marriage, Father, go ahead and give your daughter away. Let her marry. You're not sinning if you do that. Same thing, you're not sinning if you don't send her to get married. Paul says, he who doesn't give her, give her in marriage does better. Why? Because again, it goes down to this idea that Paul understood that this snowball is coming towards Corinth. He knew that this snowball of persecution was heading towards the church. And it's going to be a whole lot easier if you're single than if you're married. A wife, verse 39, is bound by the law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she's at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. But she's happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And then I think Paul, you think that Paul has a little bit of sarcasm? I think that Paul does have a little bit of sarcasm here. He goes, hey, is she happier? She is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And... Well, I, I think I also have the Spirit of God. I'm Paul. I, I think I have the Spirit of the Lord. So what's he saying? Wife, she's bound by the law as long as her husband lives. Stay married to the man, is what he's saying. But if your husband happens to die, not murdered. <laughs> Wife, I killed my husband. Am I free to get married? Again, say it out loud and answer your own question, right? right? No, don't kill your husband so you can be free to be married. And so some husbands in here are breathing a sigh of relief right now. That doesn't give you free reign to go get married again. But he's going, listen, if your husband does die, you're at liberty. You're not bound to anything. Go ahead and be married. You can marry whoever you wish. However, he tags on this only in the Lord. And, 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 you know, just the last couple seconds here of what we're doing here, understand this, what Paul is saying here 
is that Paul's saying only in the Lord. You're not at liberty to go and marry an unbeliever. If you're a believer, you're reading this because you're a believer. You're in the church. He's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to believers. He's saying, listen, you're at liberty to go and marry who you want. However, let me tag it on because we have got to have these little, you know, detailed instructions. Only go get married in the Lord. Is that person walking with the Lord also? Nothing worse than having a couple come into marriage, one on fire for the Lord, or thinking that they're on fire with the Lord, and even, as I said earlier, somebody who doesn't believe in God whatsoever. Because the marriage, you know, the wedding happens, but then the marriage happens the next day, right? The wedding is only one day. The marriage is the rest of your life. And so here's the thing. Maybe a week, two, five, eight, ten weeks down the road, maybe, you know, a year down the road. The newness of the wedding wears off and the marriage sinks in and all of a sudden you begin to see that you are at odds with one another spiritually. And you begin to try to force your will upon that spouse, that unbelieving spouse, only for them to become, uh, uh, you know, angry back towards you and beginning to resent you for being something different than before you got married. I don't believe that an on-fire, spirit-filled, believing Christian will enter into a marriage with somebody who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. Oh man, I was so on fire when I married my wife, or I was so on fire with the Lord when I married my unbelieving husband. No, you weren't. I know you might like to say that, but you weren't, because you had no business being in that relationship in the, in the first place. If you were on fire with the Lord, if you were totally walking with the Lord, you wouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place, because you were unequally yoked. You've discarded so many areas of Scripture to enter into that relationship. You were not on fire with the Lord. You were on fire in heat. (laughs) You wanted to get married. That was it. That's offensive to me, Pastor Don. I'm sorry, the Word of God can become very offensive to us. Don't, just because you say you are something to make yourself feel better spiritually doesn't mean that you actually are that. Let the Word of God dictate whether or not you are on fire with the Lord. Are you doing what the Word of God says? And that's really what it comes down to. Only in the Lord. He says, is your spouse, is your new spouse that you're going to have, are they just as on fire in the Lord as you are? There's a few things that we can learn by this. What, you know... uh, It doesn't mean that it's just a Lord, it's the Lord. If someone's in the Lord, it means that the Lord is who that someone is to live in obedience with. You know, Genesis chapter 2, it talks about, hey, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. We know that. Jesus talks about the same area of Scripture as he reiterates it and, and, and gives a little bit more narrative to it and, and helps us to understand even in more fullness of what that passage talks about. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6, he says, And he, Jesus, he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he, God, who made them at the beginning, made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate, or that word is actually divorce. Let not man divorce. And so a few things that we can see here, I'm just going to read quick through my notes so that we can get going, but a few things can be learned about what God, uh, what the Lord defines marriage to be. Marriage is to be between a male and a female. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Wife in the Genesis passage in the Hebrew is, of all things, Esau. It is Esau. Your daughter, wife. Just start calling her wife from now. No, let's not call her wife. That's not a good thing, is it? He's too young for wife. Wife in the Genesis passage in the Hebrew is Esau. The literal word. The word is a feminine noun meaning woman, wife, or female. So a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Well, except I learned something this last week. I saw something that, that said uh, female. 
Maybe you guys have seen this. Female. The scientific value for iron in the periodic table is Fe. And so Fe stands for iron. And according to God, male means man. Therefore, we can deduce that female in all actuality is Iron Man. So here's a couple of things we can learn. We can learn from this that God does not make mistakes. Some of you guys are going to go, yes, that's right. There's a few things we can learn. A couple of things we can learn. God doesn't make mistakes. It says that he made them male and he made them female, right? He made them male and female. God does not make mistakes. He's the one who chooses gender, regardless of what our president says. Regardless of what our national, you know, you know, push is in this nation right now. I just saw something in the news today that someone petitioned in Oregon to not be male or female. She wanted to change her name to Jamie and she wants to become and the courts have agreed to her non-binary. I have no gender. When is this madness going to stop? Are you male or female? I'm non-binary. What does that even mean? Are you like a digital computer? I don't understand. Isn't binary have to do with computers? I don't understand that. It's just, it's silly. It's silly. God spoke to Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah verse one, or chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Does God make mistakes in gender? Turn to your neighbor and say, No, he doesn't. <laughs> I hear other guys do that, and that sounds so cool. Here, turn to your neighbor and say that. No, <laughs> that's neat. Because you know what it does? It kind of affirms. No, God, does, God doesn't make mistakes. If you're a male, God didn't make a mistake. You're a male. If you're a female, God didn't make a mistake. You're a female. I don't mean to offend anybody, but that's just the Word of God. That's what the Word of God says. I don't mean to, I really don't mean to even be arrogant about that. It's about anything in life. Or if you're a, if you're a drunkard, knock it off. The Bible says, listen, give strong drink to them that are perishing. If you're an alcoholic and you're an alcoholic and you're drinking strongly, the Bible says, go ahead, give it to the one who's perishing. Wait a minute, I'm not perishing. Well, then say it out loud. Should I be drinking strong drink? No. Counsel yourself. Counsel yourself. Marriage is is to be between a man and a woman, a male and a female. The two shall become one flesh. These are things we learn from what God defines as being in the Lord. If you're going to be in the Lord, the Lord is your authority. He's the one that you have to answer to. He's the one that you have to run it by. Are you engaged? Are you going to be married? Run it by the Lord. Is, are you good with this, Lord? Because Lord means you're the master. I'm going to do what you say. I, you are the authority. You made male and female. You brought the female to the male and the two became one flesh. Is there a little wiggle room in there? Can a male be with a male? No. Can a female be with a female? No. Say it out loud. Ask the question. Do you think God agrees with that? There's a lot of confusion in the pulpits today. And and, and kind of the last thing you see in here is it says, hey, uh, you know, uh, a man, you know, it's for this reason that a man... Uh, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Another thing we can understand here is that marriage is, you know, not just that marriage would be between a man and a woman, but when you get married, move out of your mom and dad's house. (laughs) Right? Get out! Go live your own life. In the Lord means that the man and the woman both must be in the Lord. Most both must have Jesus as their Lord. If Jesus is their Lord, they're no longer free to redefine marriage to their own liking even if the world or society changes its view on marriage, God does not change his view. Paul says, you know, I think I have the spirit of the Lord. He says, let's use common sense. Don't seek to be something that you're not right now. Trust the Lord to bring those things in your life. You're unmarried? Be unmarried. Be unmarried for Jesus. Are you married? 
Be married. Be on fire for Jesus. Are you saved in a, in a workplace of heathens? Then be saved in the workplace of heathens. Be Jesus. Be the light in the dark place. That's what Paul's saying. You be Christ to the world around you. How will they hear? He said it to the one, you know, to the to the people there earlier in First Corinthians. How do you know, oh man, whether you won't save your wife if you stay with her, if, even if she's an unbeliever? Or how do you know, oh woman, that you won't save your husband? The heart behind all of chapter seven is stay where you are so that you can be the best witness for Christ, and know that there is going to be some tumultuous times. Now is not the time to try to switch who you are. You be what God's called you to be. If God brings a wife into your life and you're a single guy or a husband into your life and you're a single gal, go for it. You're not sinning if you do. But don't let that be your driving force of getting up every day. Our driving force for getting up every day should be what? What? Serving the Lord. What do you think about my life today? And when you lay your head down at the end of the day and you ask the Lord, Lord, did I live my life for you this day? And... And, and you know whether or not he's going to say yes or no. Ah, we had some troubles. We had some hiccups today, Don. He says that a lot to me. I had a lot of speed bumps, didn't we? Yeah, Lord, make those speed bumps few and far between. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to hit speed bumps. I hate speed bumps. My head hits the roof of my vehicle. Father, thank you so much for today. Help us, Lord, to live for you in whatever state that we're in right now. If we're living in a state that is of sin... Then, Lord, change us and help us to walk away. Give us the courage. Give us the strength to walk away from those sinful lifestyles. Help us to walk away from those things that do not measure up to you. Lord, you are the authority. You are our Lord. You are our master. You are our God. And so all things in my life, in our life, must be lining up in accordance to your word, to your heart, to your desire. And so, Lord, if anything in my life is askew with that, if anything in my life is at odds with you, then, Lord, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Then give me the strength to remove and rid myself of that area of my life. Help me to confess it. Help me to repent. Help me to turn away from it. And and then help me to walk towards you. And help me to be used by you in these last days. In the days that you have given me for the rest of my life, Lord, help me to live for you, to be pleasing to you. For in so doing, Lord, I know that you, you say, what man, if his son asked for him, for a piece of bread, would give him a scorpion? Am I not much better than than an earthly father. I will give to anyone the Holy Spirit who asks. I will give to them those holy things that I have, I have given, that I offer freely. God, help us to recognize and help us not to allow the world to, to sink in and maybe the outside voices to sink in and, and, and taint us and twist us and influence us wrong with this thinking that God you are boring and that you are trying to remove things from our life and you're trying to make us fuddy duddies you're trying to make us boring you're trying to make us of uh, have no fun in life you're trying to you're trying to ruin our life by not allowing us to do so many things that everybody else is doing lord i know that there's a room of people in here that if we had an opportunity to show a raise of hands, they would be more than willing to stand up here and share that that worldly living has led to nothing more than heartache, loss, and loneliness. And only when they came to you did life begin to be lived. Was life worth living? The things that this world has for us is like a carrot on the end of a stick in front of a donkey. The donkey will never reach it, but he always strives for it. Lord, help us not to strive for the things of this world, but help us to be content in who it is that we are today. 
You, Lord, be our God. Help us to live our life for you and help us to seek your approval. For in so doing, Lord, as we do that, Lord, you're going to put into our life the things that are going to make our life full and complete and content. Thank you, Lord, that we sometimes just need to air this out. Sometimes we just need to, to, to put some skin on these issues that we struggle with in our mind. We sometimes just need to hear it out loud because then it makes a whole lot more sense to us. And then we're able to live our lives the way that you want us to live. So Lord, take our lives. Let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So... Did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.